This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 322. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. Hey, that rhymes. 322. I'm Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing you went first. We are joined by one of our Slug Club members from Patreon this week. Welcome, Clara. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. You are coming to us from Paris today. That is so cool. Yes. (laughs) I um, studied abroad here five years ago, and I haven't been back since. So just a little vacation. Vacation. She got the email. Hey, come on, MuggleCast. You were like, I'm on vacation in Paris. Sure. <laughs> no, but we appreciate you uh, uh, coming on while you're on your vacation. What, do, what have you been up to over there for fun? Well, I we got here about 10 days ago, and I actually flew into oh. Berlin. <laughs> yeah. My uncle lives in Berlin, and um, we drove from Berlin to um, – Paris, and we did a Belgian brewery tour, and then on the way, and then came here. And mostly we've just been um, walking around. Uh, I think yesterday we walked 25,000 steps, so it's a lot nice. of walking. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. So you can and, eat all the bread. Mm-hmm, exactly. I've been eating a lot of bread. And <laughs> I one weird thing I, I had right before I came on the trip, I had a incident with a bat in my room, and I had to get an uh, rabies vaccination. So oh, I have geez. been having to get the vaccination here, uh, which has been kind of complicated. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. But I, that's okay. I've heard about vampires in Paris. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's almost over. Uh, and then I leave tomorrow to go home. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we appreciate the fact that while on vacation, uh, you were willing to come on and record this episode with us. Well, not, no problem. It was. It feels like a nice treat for a vacation. I was excited to be on it, so yeah, I did not mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we should be honest with the people that are listening, though. The real reason that Clara is, is joining us is because she's actually scouting uh, Fantastic Beasts 2 from Paris. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly. true. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good, good point. Good. <laughs> she works for Warner Brothers. She's hanging out with J.K. Rowling a little later today. Mm-hmm. Good for you. It's in my that's my plan tonight. <laughs> Ask her to come on the show for once. <laughs> Ask her to that reply to our tweets. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask her to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done so let's get let's get your fandom idea. Let's hear of, about um your interests in Harry Potter. So mm. what's your favorite book? Um I have two I my favorite for the longest time was Goblet of Fire um yeah. and I I think just because of the Triwizard tournament it felt like a something was new uh, or something new was brought to the table and then um I love Half-Blood Prince as well. Good. Okay. So Good I I love all of them but yeah if I Any had movie? to choose. That one was hard. I I really like the second um the Deathly Hallows part 2. Um, mm-hmm. I think well, I saw it when they did the, uh, IMAX release in the fall. Um, I watched it again and I cried like three times during that movie. And I, oh. I know there were just, and there were little moments, like things that I never thought would, you know, make me cry. But, um, yeah, I really like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite, uh, not favorite. What's your Hogwarts house? Ravenclaw. Nice. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Ilver Morning House. Puckwudgie, Ooh. which Charlie. I just found out yesterday. I had never taken that. Um, oh. I know. Uh, brown hair, which I think is Luna's Patronus, too. Brown hair. The mm-hmm. rabbit? Yeah. It's a rabbit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite Harry Potter ship, whether it's real or it's like your dream ship? I, <laughs> this was hard to answer. I, um, I don't know if this would be like my ultimate favorite, but I couldn't think of you know, which one it would be. So I do remember when I, you know, re- reading through the sixth um, book for the first time, I, I thought it was so exciting when Harry and um, Jenny finally 
started developing a relationship. So I would probably choose that right now. Um, just because I was like a teenage girl and thought, this is so cool that they're finally yeah. getting together. <laughs> yeah. The book version of that chip, not the movie oh, version, for sure. which in my opinion is Not very bad. good. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> uh, and then finally, since we are at the 20th anniversary here, how did you get started with Harry Potter? Yeah, I uh, well, I was in first grade when the first book came out in the U.S. And um, I went to the Scholastic Book Fair at school. And they had this whole stand of the uh, the first book. And I'd never heard of it, of course. But I thought, well, this is like the first thing I've seen. I'll just pick it up. And um, so I bought it and took it home. And I remember reading the first page and like reading about um, Petunia and Vernon Dursley. And they live on number four, Privet Drive. And I just thought, this is so boring. And I gave it to <laughs> I just like didn't make it past the first page and I set it aside and my mom picked it up and read it and um told me that I I had to read it and I finally did and um I loved it but I don't I didn't really I don't remember feeling super excited about the books until the fourth book uh came out and remember I remember seeing that you know in all of the stores and bookstores and stuff um but yeah that was how I started Cool. Yeah, that, that's a funny story. Privet yeah. Drive. Who cares about this? Yeah, it's like yeah. boring people. On this. I couldn't for the life of me figure out if it was supposed to read private, and yeah. that, that was how British people like said the word private. You know, it was, it was weird. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, and a uh, nice welcome. Scholastic Book Fair shout out as well. Oh yeah, those love those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit of news and then we're going to get into a discussion about graves and also we have a bit of an announcement to make yeah whoop, whoop, whoop. first of all actually the, all, all the news this week just two items are cursed child related so on the last episode we mentioned that the original cast was wrapping up uh their run in harry potter and the cursed child it's already been a year and now they're finished so we wondered if anything special would be happening for that final performance. Um, <laughs> nothing really s- special except Rose planted a little kiss on Scorpius's cheek at the very end of the play. Um, so for shippers of <laughs> Scorbus, it was bad news. <laughs> for shippers of Scrooge, it was great news. Scrubs. And I, I spoke to somebody, Christina, who's uh, evidently a Cursed Child super fan. She has been to a bunch of performances, and she was explaining to me that the actress who plays Rose, Sherelle Skeet, was kind of was kind of playing playing it up over the past couple of months. They had her and the actor who plays um, Scorpius, Anthony Boyle, I believe his name is. They were kind of playing, getting a little more playful in uh, Act Four, Scene Fourteen, where they have a moment together. So it was it was. It felt like it was leading to something, and they were kind of teasing each other, and they were teasing audiences with the way they were interacting. Anyway, um, Sherelle had kind of teased fans, like, will they or won't they? Will they or won't they kiss? You know, I don't know. So she saved it for the final performance. She gave Scorpius a little kiss on the cheek, so. Yeah, I thought that, you know, I I personally don't ship Scrooge, but I think it was a nice (laughs) little farewell. You're being really diplomatic. What what happened is I saw this tweet when it came in from Hypable uh, linking to this post, and then I clicked on it and saw that you wrote it, and I like literally buckled up, and I was like, "Oh buckled my god, up. get ready for Andrew." Here's where we. Here's where Andrew gets, and you like crossed off uh, <laughs> Albus's <laughs> name. So so yeah, so that happens, and we have a new cursed child cast now. Cool. They uh, and they they um the the production released portraits like the ones from the original cast members where they're all in costume they look good but it was just jarring seeing different people (laughs) playing these roles after getting so used to the original cast it'd be like if like halfway through the harry potter movies they recasted everybody you just get so used to the looks of each of the characters after we had already adjusted following the movies now we have to adjust again. Uh, well, only if we're seeing the play. Yeah, or looking at these pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like Harry. I don't okay, like Okay, that's Ginny. offensive. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you have to go on, man? Have you seen their Ron's acting Ron's gotten shots? a little pudgier. Uh, I do like Lucia. Oh, no, no. Uh, Draco. <laughs> I do like Draco. Um, yeah, that's 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 my thoughts. Okay. You know their opinions? That was really shallow. I'm sure all of these <laughs> actors are very, very, very good. I'm sure they're fine. It just took me, it's taking me a little getting used to, but there are to stop looking at the pictures. There is a video. I will click on the video later uh, for the character shoot. I just yeah, think it's, it was... it's, it's probably really exciting as an actor to be able to work with a, a property that's as famous and award winning as Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. So I mean, you're. You're set for life. So I, I would definitely like to congratulate the new cast, and once again, thanks to the old cast of Cursed Child for putting on so many performances. Yep. And being so uh, beloved. Clara, did you read Cursed Child or see it? I bought it um, a couple of days after it came out, and I couldn't finish it. I just, oh, I wow. wasn't Good a fan. <laughs> yeah. I was very excited about it, but um, no, I, I think I've made it to like, how many are there just two parts to that i didn't make um, it very far whatever i think i got to like the train moment or when they got sorted into their houses there? what I was know. it the trolley lady you couldn't yeah stand the she trolley was lady? just weird no i i thought that was pretty cool but um i yeah i mean it might have been the format too um i it was just so different reading it that way as as, as a sure you know more of a script but um I didn't love it. So did you read spoilers? Do you know what happens? Yes. After that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I could not resist that. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Eric, we have some news to share, don't we? We do, Andrew. Should I? Go ahead, <laughs> Andrew, because <laughs> clearly uh... <laughs> you put this in the document, so you should go ahead and read it. I did. I... Oh, well, you beat me Eric... to it. Eric knows the details better than... Yeah, ideas. yeah, yeah, that's why I threw it to him. Well, let's let's all say it <laughs> all, all, all at once. We're gonna be at yeah. MuggleNet live, live September first, two thousand seventeen. MuggleCast will be attending MuggleNet live two thousand seventeen. Nineteen years later. Yay! And what does that mean? Because my parents were yeah. like, "You've been doing the podcast for 19 years." I'm like, "No, mom, <laughs> no, mom." It's so. This is the date. This year, September 1st, is the date in the Deathly Hallows epilogue where Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione take all their kids off to school, also known as the beginning of Cursed Child. Um, yeah, but we're not. But celebrating it's the actual. That. We're not celebrating that. <laughs> this is the actual date. And so what it is, is an ex- it's an exclusive one-night-only party inside the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter Diagon Alley theme park. Uh, and you'll actually be able to ride the Hogwarts Express, uh, as well as Gringotts. And there's all sorts of um, lovely food options, unlimited butterbeer, all sorts of stuff. And certain actors from the films will be there. Uh, currently announced Luke Youngblood, who plays Lee Jordan. And Christian Coulson was just announced, uh, who plays – he was the first Tom Riddle. Uh, as well as Chris Rankin, Ellie Darcy Alden, uh, some of the more people you're familiar with, all the kids from the epilogue, or a lot of them, uh, will all be there wandering about, and there's no extra charge for like photos and autographs and all that stuff. So MuggleNet's got a really cool sort of evening uh, going on. You can find out all of the details on the website, but actually go to our website where there's a post that I wrote, which gives some of the details, and our offer code as well. Uh- Yes, we are saving people a little money, so make sure you use that offer code. And yeah. we're going to be doing a live podcast too, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to figure out uh, either a podcast, a meetup, um, maybe an exclusive uh, dinner hour in the uh, Leaky Cauldron. Um, exclusive dinner hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All included in ticket prices. We're just, you know, still going to work out uh, what, what, we're, what we're doing there. But it'll be, we will be there, and it'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to bring a couple blue apron boxes. I'm going to cook in the leaky cauldron. Good. I'll, 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 bring, I'll bring your green apron then. That will be when uh, – I'll bring your green apron that Katie said. I'll bring that, the fire That'll be <laughs> – Hey, I'm a good cook sometimes. Yeah. 
So again, that's um, this September, uh, and it's MuggleNet Live, and MuggleCast will be there. So go check that out on MuggleCast.com at the very top. The first post yeah. that you'll see will be the post with our offer code and all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, excited to do that. It's gonna be mm-hmm. a it's gonna be a fun time. Yeah, it's always good to see you guys. Yeah, you 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 too. <laughs> Just, <laughs> great, <laughs> kidding. Really sold that, Andrew. <laughs> I've I haven't seen Mike in a while. I mean, the last time we were in, we were Eric and I were in Orlando for GeekyCon for the Chris Child release last yeah. summer. And Micah we was missed not. you, Micah. Yeah, yeah. When was the last time? This is the three of us were together. Mm. Uh, well, that was Fantastic we Beasts, Carnegie Hall. Yeah, Harry Potter always just brings us together. Oh, it's so <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start talking about graves in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that today's sponsor is Blue Apron. They are the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the United States. Uh, boys, as you know, I'm back in New Jersey for the summer, Ooh. so I moved my Blue Apron subscription over here, and the first one came in a couple weeks ago, and I gave it to my mom, and I just said, uh-huh. cook something in here, because she, she was excited. You know, normally she goes to the food store, so <laughs> she was eager to try it out. Uh, she did it, and she cooked a chicken-based meal uh, for her and my dad, and... I was actually genuinely surprised. My dad loved it. He loved the food, which surprised me because he he hates change. He hates new things. So I thought this would take him out of his element. <laughs> no, he actually went out of his way to tell me, oh, that was really good. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> Glad you liked it. And uh, now that I'm, I'm with my parents for the summer, uh, I had a two-person meal set. So they cooked that, the one I just mentioned, for themselves. But you can switch to a four-person meal set for your families. Um, so I did that, and instead of getting three meals for two people, I'm now getting two meals for four people. So you basically get the same amount of food, but it, it just feeds different number of people. Um, so I did that, and I'm excited to try that out. I'm getting that family plan starting next week. So listen to a couple of the upcoming meals coming up on the menu this month. A spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice. <laughs> uh, some vegetable tostadas with summer squash, poblano peppers, and cilantro rice. Ooh. Sounds so good. Just in time for summer. Yeah. The food tastes great. It's affordable. There's lots of variety. Mix up your summer. Try Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash mugglecast. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash mugglecast. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Thanks, Blue Apron. Thank you. Thanks. All right, let's move on to our character discussion today. We are going to talk about Percival Graves, one of the cooler characters, in my opinion, in this movie. He's great. He's great. And I think Colin Farrell does an excellent job um, just being a really cool kind of mysterious type character. Uh... Percival Graves, of course, head of the horror department for Makuza in 1926. Through the course of the film, Fantastic Beasts Somewhere to Find Them, it is revealed that he is, in fact, Grindelwald. Gellert Grindelwald in disguise. Uh-oh. And we have, we're going to begin our discussion with some name origins, actually, from uh, from Katie, who uh, has continued to send us really interesting information. I don't know where she finds this, uh, Google. but it's, it's all ex- extremely <laughs> probably. No, no, yeah, no I'm maybe. sorry. Let, let's keep it a mystery. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but these these were great. Uh, she she helped us out with our uh, Tina episode. And then uh, continued to submit, as we discussed, Serafina last week and this week, Graves. So thanks to Katie in advance for this. Um, But the name Percival, which we know J.K. Rowling does not choose lightly, and in fact, in the case of Percival, reuses it quite often. Percival means one who pierces the valley, hard steel, the most innocent of all the knights of the round table, and the one who found the Holy Grail. Well, he is piercing and tough, so it. <laughs> this once again reminds me, like, wow, these these name origins really do, really are brought to the characters in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and um, it looks like the character of Percival Graves himself, according to 
Pottermore is a descendant of one of the first dozen volunteers to train as Aurors for Makuza. Uh, his uh, ancestor was Gundolphus Graves. So the question uh, some people have, uh, I guess, going into the film is, was Graves a, a person before Grindelwald was masquerading as him? Or was this a character, sort of like an alias, that Grindelwald developed to raise high in the ranks at Makuza? But it seems like Graves indeed was a person before, um, and you know, Grindelwald sort of must have captured or killed him and then assumed his, his role because he was so high up in Makuza. And simply through um, you know, disguising himself as him, Grindelwald immediately had access to the top levels of government that's, uh, in America. That's very interesting. I, I didn't think about it that way in that Graves could be somebody that was never truly a, a person that existed, that it, that it was somebody that, right. that Grindelwald created uh, in order to mm-hmm. infiltrate uh, Makusa and, and could have been uh, acting as him from very early days, but... That seems like a lot of work, and I don't. I don't think that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Climb. Grin, can you imagine Grindelwald climbing the ladder <laughs> in America? Um, yeah, but uh, but no. Gra- Graves was actually so. Graves is a very renowned. So it sort of comes from a good family, you know, um, a family of ours or long line of um, severe badasses. The interesting thing uh, I mentioned that Percival is a name that is used time and again by J.K. Rowling. The other characters, just as a refresher here, who share the name Percival uh, include Dumbledore's own father. Um, so that's Albus Dumbledore's father is Percival Dumbledore. Um, it is one of Albus Dumbledore's middle names. His name is uh, Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Percy Weasley, it turns out. His full name is Percival. And there's a character called Percival Pratt, who was a wizard poet. He has his portrait hung in Hogwarts Castle's Grand Staircase. Now, how did you find that? Don't tell me you know every wizard hanging in Hogwarts Grand Staircase. Oh, you got to ask Katie. Katie. She did that. Oh. Yeah, Katie found Oh, okay. She, she just worked her magic. Um, <laughs> she possibly now knows the, every portrait hanging. She possibly yeah. knows every. She's also a Ravenclaw, just like Clara. So, um, <laughs> Clara, do you know all the portraits that are hanging in the... Uh, no, but I was listening to to prepare for today, and since I've been gone for a while, I haven't listened to a couple of the last episodes. But I listened to Katie's today and was intimidated by her knowledge. Yeah, so. I think we're all intimidated by her knowledge. Like we have to keep bringing her stuff on because it's really good, but we're all a little scared of her. So. <laughs> um, but actually, you know what? While we're showcasing some patrons, there was a comment uh, from Irvin. Uh, as we were preparing this document, and I have to share it because he's found a link through all of these characters named Percival. He's found something that they have in common, which Mm. I really like and have to share here. So Irvin says, regarding Percival, I find that the thread of innocence being corrupted runs through all of J.K. Rowling's Percival's, where they were good people who were influenced by something bad. Percival Graves was taken over by Grindelwald. Albus Dumbledore was seduced by Grindelwald into dabbling with dark magic. Percival Dumbledore was corrupted by hatred and a thirst for vengeance against muggle boys. Percy Weasley was corrupted by the Ministry and his own ambition. Further diving into this, the two that are actually called Percival never bounce back from their corruption. Graves is presumed dead, and Percival Dumbledore rots in Azkaban. However... The two characters with a more tenuous connection to the name, Percy Weasley and Albus Percival Dumbledore, eventually see the error of their ways and manage to bounce back. And what about Percival Pratt? Uh, and Percival Pratt is writing poems somewhere <laughs> off in the silence. Hey, we need well, to talk about gra- all of Graves? Them. You <laughs> could do. argue that Graves still might, quote, bounce back. I certainly we... hope he does. I don't I don't presume he's dead necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um and of course this is a good opportunity at some point in the next few films to bring him back in. Yeah. Although if he met Newt it'd be like meeting him for the first time I suppose because Newt never really met him and vice versa. So that yeah. could be interesting. I mean this is the interesting thing about Graves is you know we're doing a character discussion on him based on the events of Fantastic Beasts but 
ultimately, it's more of a Grindelwald character discussion because Grindelwald is only posing as Graves. However, to be sort of undercover successfully, especially when you're working every day with President Pickery and all of Graves' closest known associates, you kind of have to assume that the Graves that we see in the film is pretty close to the actual Graves, at least how he would have, you know, sort of behaved and acted and the things he would have said and done up until the point where he sentences Tina and Newt to death, right? So it's like, it's a convincing um, disguise for Grindelwald to to pull this off. And I, I think it indicates that Grindelwald became familiar with Graves and perhaps, you know, tortured this information out of him, but really got a sense of who he was in order to successfully pose as him in the ministry. Yeah. So I, I think it's just worth noting that we'll talk about Graves and we're really talking about Grindelwald, but still it, we can sort of get a sense of who Graves is because Grindelwald had to successfully pose as him. So yeah, just a little sort of disclaimer. And, and, there. I, and I made the note that we get the unique perspective of watching a character really for an entire film who is not who he appears to be. But we also have very little context for who he should be. Right. And that is interesting to me that, you know, Grindelwald was able to play up being Graves to such a point where nobody questioned it. And he is at the highest level of government. He is interfacing on a daily basis with the president of Makusa. He's sitting yeah. in the meeting of the International Confederation amongst all of these leaders that are looking for him. Yeah. And it, he he is just able to pull it off without raising any suspicion up until there's that scene with him and Newt and Tina uh, and the Obscurus. And I think that's really yeah. when uh, Newt starts to suspect that something's off here. But just a masterful job and it points to the type of character that we can expect to see from Grindelwald moving forward. I know, you know, David Heyman refers to him as being, you know, a rock star as being this seductive individual. Um, and so mm. he's very clearly able to make connections with people. And I think we get the first real example of that when he interacts uh, with credence and, just just the way he's able to manipulate him, it it's, to me, a, a bit of foreshadowing, perhaps. Maybe that's not the right word, but... Yeah. It, because I, I was going to say I mean, with respect to Dumbledore, and, and I think that has already taken place. So I think it's more of a insight into um, one of his major personality traits, uh, in the, and that's his ability to uh, use his charm... Uh, to to manipulate people. And he does the legwork, too. I, you kind of get the sense, because this situation is sort of familiar to the Mad-Eye Moody sort of situation with um, Barty Crouch Jr. able to, able to overcome Mad-Eye Moody and pose as him. I mean, same, in, in Harry's fourth year, you get these lessons for an entire year uh, that are not from Mad-Eye Moody at all. And that still remains in, you know, given light of the later books to be your your most like sort of the most screen time, uh, you know, that you have of that character of Bad-Eye Moody, um, except it wasn't him at all. So it's kind of like that, except I prefer to think of, you know, what Grindelwald is doing is as sort of stronger and more more work, like more legwork, like Barty Crouch Jr. sort of got lucky in comparison. Grindelwald is as a terrifying villain able to use, as Micah was saying, his charm, able to use his skill. And I think that ultimately, like, it it was more legwork, and Grindelwald will sort of do that legwork to overcome obstacles. He's, he's not going to shy away from hard work. He's trying to sort of infiltrate the top levels of the ministry to stay one step ahead of their efforts to find him. Uh, and that's what he's able to do successfully until at the very end, as you mentioned, with his, you know, obsession with this Obscurus and his quest for greatness, his quest for power, uh, blinds his ability to to do that. Absolutely. And and speaking of yeah. Goblet of Fire, um, we put out a question, a poll, actually, on Twitter, 
yesterday. There's yeah. still nine hours left to vote, so um, I'm sure we'll get some, <laughs> uh, some more here before the day is through. But 127 people uh, shared their opinion. Uh, we asked, what did you think of the Grindelwald Graves storyline in Fantastic Beasts? Uh, to which 54% replied, Goblet of Fire Part 2. Uh, 46% yeah. said it was epic. So almost 50-50 in terms of how people felt uh, about that storyline. But Were those the other two, the only two those options? Those were the only two options, yeah. Yes. I wanted to keep it. Oh, okay. You're making people decide whether they yeah, loved it or. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just voted it was epic because just from a surprise standpoint, it was genuinely surprising. And so, uh, so I don't really compare it to Goblet of Fire right. because of that reason. And and not to mention just the fact that it was Johnny Depp who was playing. And now, of course, that surprise was ruined going into the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I thought it was a I thought I thought it was epic. Good. Let's just hope she doesn't do this again. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, Clara? I uh, I'm going to go with it was epic um, just because I hadn't really thought until I read through these show notes about the um, similarities between those two. Um, and I, and I like that they are similar, but while watching it, I thought like, this is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So I was surprised and didn't feel like it was too redundant. Um, so I would go, it was epic. I would go with yeah. that. Yeah. I just voted it was epic too, so we're about to swing the Uh-oh. poll results in, in <laughs> yeah. epic's favor. Yeah, I'm I don't think I voted now too. Well, just because you win the popular vote doesn't mean you. Uh... <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the character of uh, the character of Graves, and actually, I forget where we found this out. It must have been on Pottermore, right? Um, where it's mentioned that he was overseas for a time. Yes. Ah. Yeah. So. Uh, we we have throughout Potter a long history of characters uh, like Quirrell, for instance, uh, going off to I think it was in fact Albania. That same that very same forest in Albania where uh, Bertha Jorkins goes missing and Peter Pettigrew finds Voldemort and Quirrell gets possessed by Voldemort. It's all that that number one travel destination for unfortunate souls. Uh, but we find out that Graves was overseas, and this is presumably where. Grindelwald was able to capture and or defeat him and, you know, sort of get begin begin posing as him. So we have this situation where Grindelwald then comes back and is posing as him. Now, unclear again what became of Graves after that, whether Graves is still with him, whether Graves is in prison somewhere. We do not mm-hmm. know. Um, I think it's actually but, but Gr- it's mentioned mm-hmm. by Graves when they're in the room with the International Confederation. That he was overseas, oh. I think. Oh, there you go. Maybe I'm wrong. Somebody yeah. can check me on that. But I'm I'm almost certain that yeah. Graves mentions it during the film that that he was overseas, or somebody mentions the fact um, in Makusa that Graves mm-hmm. uh, you know, was was traveling, and you know, this this raises questions about um, you know his interactions with Newt's brother, uh, because we know that Colin Farrell let it slip in an interview that. Um, the two of them uh, were at least corresponding. So, yeah. uh, you know, sort of a, a, a international pact between Makusa and the ministry uh, to try and bring down Grindelwald. So uh, it, it it definitely leads to a lot more questions about what kind of interactions these two had with each other and then, you know, what happened that allowed Graves to be overtaken by Grindelwald. Yeah. Yeah. It's not uh, a situation where it gets like overshadowed in this film, which I love, but the threat of Grindelwald and what Grindelwald means to sort of world peace and world, like his reign of terror. He's got a few, there's a few lines in here, like Newt, I think, calls out for the greater good. And there's, you know, sort of his rhetoric and his intentions are well known in the world at this point, and they're only going to get bigger and grander and worse. I mean, but there are essentially dozens uh, of agencies and, I assume, and wizards, you know, after Grindelwald. But in the film, it's kind of relegated to, I mean, it's it's given proper weight, but fortunately this film isn't all about um, Grindelwald. It has so many other things 
going on. And of course, it's just the reveal at the end that he's been Grindelwald. But I think future films will certainly focus on, you know, how many people are tracking him um, because he'll probably escape again. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, the the first movie kind of shows that he's already a big threat. At the very beginning, we see that he's the newspapers. a major issue for the mm-hmm. Wizarding World. Mm-hmm. So I guess they could amp that up and we could, like you're saying, actually see people hunting him. But then again, in the next movie, he could be in jail the whole time. Like we really have no really interesting to see like some sort of different conflict that has nothing to do with Grindelwald for part two. Right. Because on the other hand, it's like breaking out so soon. eh. Yeah. And then he's on the run for another 19 because the series has to span another 19 years until 1945. Um, Maybe he'll break out at the end of the next movie. That'll be the cliffhanger. Like, Oh, Maybe How's Newt... Jacob going to bake some bread to Laura? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Newt will find a diary that was like Grindelwald's young school diary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could be a plot point in the second Fantastic Beasts. I'm interested. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just interested to see, like, I know, obviously, this this first movie, we only hear of Dumbledore, but um, in the next films, I'm interested to see uh what he's been doing this whole time like if we get to see some of that like with Voldemort he's doing all of this kind of research uh, you know on his own and um so the whole ministry is still once they find out that or once they acknowledge that he's alive um they're searching for him um and Dumbledore this whole time has had like his own side project of trying to kind of find out about his past and figure out what, um, how to defeat him. So I don't know. I I think it'd be interesting to see what Dumbledore has been doing since, um, Mm. since, uh, Grindelwald left the funeral and, um, Mm. you know, they kind of broke off that friendship. So while we talked about the difference between Graves and Grindelwald, it's important to note that anytime Graves does magic in Fantasy Beasts, it's actually Grindelwald, doing the magic. So Graves is able to heal Credence's uh, wounds on his hand from when his mother, I guess, lashed him with the belt uh, or was essentially, you know, abusing him, beating him. Uh, Graves is able to heal those wounds just by waving his hand over the wound. It's a pretty cool scene um, in Fantastic Beasts. But it, it sort of indicates skill level uh, that Graves is sort of far, or Grindelwald's far above what we have seen before uh, in terms of magical skill, which I think also is work, works to be intimidating a little bit. Um, and I think he even summons Newt's case, uh, you know, before Newt can even react protectively, summons his case and, and gets it. And he's just overall very quick to act, very quick, very um, competent at magic. And he, but yeah. Wouldn't you also assume that, Grindelwald somehow studied Graves' moves because because wouldn't it have been a tell if suddenly Graves was acting differently in terms of how he was handling his spell work? Uh, yes. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. But when he's with Credence, Credence doesn't know who Graves is supposed to be normally, so he's right. allowed to be himself, right? So he's like, no, that's true. I just mean towards like the end of the movie. You definitely, um, for you example, see a more darker side of the character when he's interacting mm-hmm. with Credence, I mean, you know, the, I, I think of the alley yeah. scenes, you know, th- that's when, you know, he talks a little bit more about this quest for power. You know, we see the symbol of the deathly hallows to use as sort of a, a of a signal to alert him to when Credence uh, is able to find the Obscurus. So it just going back for a sec though, to talk about how, Grindelwald is able to act as Graves. You, I don't want to in any way try and, and diminish Graves and his ability because we really don't know much about him. But to assume that he wouldn't be able to do many of the things that Grindelwald is doing, the the pieces that you mentioned, Eric, I think takes a little bit away from the fact that Graves is an Auror at the end of the day and a well-accomplished one at that. 
and is a mm-hmm. descendant of a long line of Aurors. So clearly, he's very, very well accomplished. And I, I think, I think my point was just that since we're dealing with adults here, it's an unwritten book as to what types of magic we'll see. But it is Grindelwald who's able to do these things. So just, just keeping in mind that you know none of this goes away. Now that we have Grindelwald, now that we might no longer have graves in the films, like these are Grindelwald again at the end of the film is able to fend off hundreds of spells coming his way from all of the horrors. Literally, all of the horrors uh, are simultaneously fighting him, and he's able to repel every spell until Newt is able to, you know, give his swooping evil a shot to save and the so- day, and that's. Pretty impressive. That raises the question to me, though, is what exactly is this transformation that took place? Because if if you think back to Goblet of Fire, Barty Mm. Crouch Jr. slash Mad-Eye Moody is not very much different, if at all, from the Mad-Eye Moody that we see in later films. We don't really know how different Percival Graves is from Graves slash Grindelwald. Hmm. And, and you know, I, I understand that with Polyjuice, you take on the features and, and the actions of, of the person that you're portraying. But I, I don't know. Like, it, to me, it's, it's a bit confusing. Like, it, was that really Graves or was it Grindelwald as Graves? It was Grindelwald as Graves, but I, I think that it was probably very close to Graves. Like... Graves is just, he's very charismatic, he's very competent, um, he strikes me as being uh, interested in the people that he's working for. There's there's a scene, actually, um, I don't know, it's, it's sort of easy to miss, but when he comes down to Tina's office, when she's working in the wand permit office, and Graves says, I'll, I'll be down shortly, and then he comes down, there's that guy who was grilling Tina a moment ago, Abernathy. And when he says, you know, good afternoon, Mr. Graves, there's a brief moment where Grindelwald as Graves says uh, afternoon, pauses as if to recall the guy's name, and then he says Abernathy. There's like a brief moment where he's like, mm. a, um, uh, Abernathy. And I, I think— Hey, you. Hey, What's up, you? you. Yeah, but, um, but Graves, so Graves, that should give the indicator that Graves is somebody who knows— you know, the people that work under him. Uh, He takes the time to know their names. So, you know, I I think that that might be a tell as well as to who Graves is as a person. Um, Sort of more generous, more more caring than than you'd normally have to be if you were a person of that profound skill. But I still think Grindelwald studied him a lot to get him down so there wouldn't be any tells. Yeah. Because, yes, we saw him on screen maybe uh, but just just think of the times off screen where he was interacting with Serafina Pickery mm-hmm. and these other people of Makusa like he has to be exactly like Graves to prevent them from questioning what's up with Graves mm-hmm. you know there's also this feeling that Grindelwald is somehow telepathic or uh at least he has some sort of gift for prophecy i mean sort of essentially what Grindelwald is doing in New York has to do with this vision that he had about an Obscurus. Uh, you know, he tells this in, in the scenes with Credence here about his vision that has led him here, how he sees uh, the creature and he sees this guy, Credence. The whole reason he found Credence to begin with is because apparently he had this vision where Credence and his mother were circling around or were, you know, related to this source of insane complex power. Grindelwald never really deduces until it's too late that Credence is the Obscurial because Credence is sort of an exceptional case and should have died already for his age. But, you know, Grindelwald was moved and and brought on by this sort of prophecy or this gift for the sight that he himself has. And that's something that's very, very terrifying. The idea that, that this evil villain can also see the future. Yeah, that's true. He knows what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be him against Queenie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> 
So one thing we wanted to ask was, can we expect to see him in future films? And what we asked on Twitter was, where is Graves? Yeah. And we asked people to submit voicemails. We got one. We got one. Let's listen <laughs> to this one. Hey, Mugglecast, it's the Lady Ash. Um, as far as your question for this week is where Graves is, I think he's somewhere in Europe. I believe in the beginning of the movie there were newspaper articles talking about how Graves had been over there, and I think that we're supposed to be led to believe that that's where he ran into Grindelwald, and that's where Grindelwald either killed him and took over his identity, or hopefully just left him over there. That's what I think anyway. I think Graves is in Europe. And that when we go over there to Paris, that somehow Newt and the gang are just going to run into him randomly. And maybe he'll have no idea on what was going on in America. Or maybe his memory was erased and they have to unlock it. I don't know. But I definitely think he's alive. And I think we're going to see him probably in the next movie. Anywho, excited to hear your thoughts. Have a great day, guys. And thanks for doing what you do. Bye. All right. Thank you, Lady Ash. Well, she seems pretty confident. Although I feel like we heard that Colin Farrell's not returning for Fantastic Beasts. That could, of course, change, and let's hope it does. Yeah. But I think there was a comment about that at one point from one of the crew members, or maybe Colin Farrell himself. Yeah. But still, that makes sense to me, and that would be a good way to work him in. We've been wondering how these American characters are going to appear in Europe, because we keep hearing about how Fantastic Beasts will be set in Europe. Yeah, having Graves just sort of wander the streets, even under a memory charm, seems like not tying up of a loose end. You know, I I think Grindelwald, very clearly, I think the two options have to be Graves is dead or Graves is imprisoned. Now, that doesn't rule out Newt, Tina, Queenie being able to find Graves imprisoned somehow, somewhere. Maybe a charm that's keeping him wears off and Graves, you know, wanders out and maybe even has amnesia. That that could work. But I think that... um, Grindelwald ultimately is too terrifying and formidable to just leave a loose end like Graves wandering around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's also possible, we know that uh, Grindelwald has uh, built up, or at least, uh, am I making this up, Nurmengard? I mean, I know that's where he's inevitably yeah. in prison, but I also believe that that's sort of his stronghold. Uh, it is. So... Who knows? Maybe he starts collecting people uh, in that prison, and Graves is is the first, or he may not be the first. Who knows? Oh, I don't remember that. I remember. Didn't he turn Durmstrang into sort of a like his his own place for a while there? Because there were um, in Goblet of Fire, he went. Well, he went to Durmstrang, but there's also like people would graffiti the Deathly Hallows all over that place like when he was taking over. I'm trying to determine if this is from book seven or book four. But yeah, like Durmstrang, how Durmstrang gets his reputation for being a school of darker magic, I think comes from the influence that Grindelwald had over that place in the, you know, teens and 20s and, you know, growing up, you know, going into the, the, the war. At least that's the impression that I got. He was put in Nurmengard, though, and it he, was his own prison. He so. was, and it's interesting that he stays there, I mean, for 50-odd years until Voldemort comes and kills him. I'm wondering then if it's sort of... I'm wondering if it really is a prison he couldn't have broken out of. Um, he, you would think he knew the, the weak points of his own prison. Yeah, if if he really <laughs> has that... Yeah, if he has he that made a spell to get out of his own prison in case they ever threw him into his own prison. But we don't know <laughs> if it's his, what the yeah. defeat entailed. It could have been something that maybe removed all of his magical ability. Oh, God. And it, he gave it to Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's <laughs> going to have his all of Grindelwald's talent. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so here's here's some quotes uh, about Grindelwald and what, as well as what Grindelwald is trying to accomplish in the in the Wizarding World. Because I keep mentioning this, but J.K. Rowling, David Yates, and David Heyman cracked this story and pretty much all the stories um, prior to filming for this movie. So they they know what's going on. Um, so this is from David Heyman. He says. What Grindelwald wants to do is expose the magical world and in so doing create a war with the non-wizarding world. 
and there is a fear that a fascist, someone who is as intolerant as Grindelwald is, will cause nothing but pain. And um, here's the quote from Yeats. He's a bit of a rock star in the wizarding world. He's very seductive. He has a brilliant mind. He wants to win people's hearts and minds. He wants them to feel comfortable with the policies that he's advocating. He was very close with Dumbledore. The two of them had a very important relationship. And we just touch in the first movie on the relationship very slightly. And there is much more to come in the following movies. Um, and then... Here's a final quote from Heyman. He said, this is about Grindelwald's role in the future films. He says, the connective tissue to the Potter universe gets stronger and stronger. What I am enjoying is seeing how, as we move forward, I can see the Potter world moving back and seeing how all those lines meet, Heyman. So he's speaking hmm. to whatever ends up happening with Grindelwald will sort of form the basis for where the wizarding world is at when Harry Potter picks up. Um, I think that also might secretly foreshadow Voldemort's involvement because Voldemort, of course, is going to be alive during this time period. He's alive. He's born seven days after Fantastic Beast One ends, um, and then you know he's obviously the main villain in Harry Potter. So I'd like to believe that Voldemort will also be in these movies. But Grindelwald definitely oh, like boy. his rise for power. Yeah, um, eh, I don't, I don't want to see Voldemort in these. I think that's too much. Really? We we had Voldemort. That's it. We don't need it. We uh, Grindelwald's our Voldemort in this series. Yes, but I mean, if the movie and if the final Fantastic Beasts film ends in 1945 with Dumbledore's defeat of Grindelwald, Voldemort wasn't only alive; he's also already opened the Chamber of Secrets, and he's already made a Horcrux. I think it was from his father's murder. Um, All right. So maybe maybe little a little Easter egg like a post credit scene or something. <laughs> that would be cool. But in terms of him having a major role, I don't think I don't think there should be two major villains. Yeah. Well, he's not a villain yeah. yet. I mean, it's it's the rise of a villain, right? Yeah. yeah. It, I just feel like it's distracting that these two <laughs> major antagonists teasing us. Yeah, but wouldn't that yeah. also like, just focus on the one be? Don't you think that would that would help influence a bit, you know, the future events if Grindelwald and Voldemort actually uh, had some sort of connection? Yeah, I, I think yeah. the impo- I think the important part is that Voldemort grows up in a world where people are feeling gr- fearing Grindelwald. Um, you know, the first twelve years of or twelve or fifteen years of Voldemort's young life, there's this threat. There's this very real threat of. Grindelwald taking over the world. And I have to think that that leaves some kind of influence on Voldemort, who also craves power. Um, But uh, I have a quote here, and this is from Graves himself, because this gives sort of the most insight. This is the thesis statement um, that sort of Grindelwald is working with. It's important to note that Grindelwald thinks that Credence is dead, but uh, we know that he is probably not um, so there will be a little bit of a there's a little bit of hope there that Grindelwald won't go straight to Credence once he gets out. Um, but when he thinks that all of the Aurors have killed Credence, he shouts, "You fools! Do you realize what you've done?" President Pickery says, "The Obscurial was killed on my orders, Mister Graves." He replies, "Yes, and history will surely note that, Madam President. What was done to near to uh, what was done here tonight was not right." Uh, and Pickery says he's broken one of our most sacred laws. He says, a law that has us scuttling like rats in the gutter, a law that demands we conceal our true nature, a law that directs those who are superior to cower in fear lest we risk discovery. Let me ask you, Madam President, and I ask all of you, who does this law protect, us or them? So that's that's Grindelwald's whole theory in, in a nutshell, I think. Um, he believes wizards are superior and he would like to see wizards free to practice their magic, free to live life, not hiding. I think Eric just wanted to do a little acting on the show. Like, put that <laughs> yep. quote in. Yeah. What do you think? No, I mean, <laughs> it's an important quote, right? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Can can uh, we play this clip from the movie now, that little Easter egg we've been talking about for a while? Which? Uh, hearing Johnny Depp's 
in his voice. Oh, do you want to do it on the show and not on Bonus MuggleCast? Oh, that's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> well, Coming uh, up on we, Bonus MuggleCast. We may have mentioned it before, but uh, Gina, who, who brought this up, who found this, was, I think, entirely right. Uh, there's a scene early on in the film at 33 minutes where we may okay. get some Johnny Depp voice in the, in the shadows. We'll listen and judge. So anyway, um, yeah. anything else we wanted to touch on before wrapping this up? Anything else on Graves? No. Uh, yeah, I hope to see him in future movies, but I'm not confident we will. And it's too bad because I really love the character. Yeah. he's. I've said this previously. I think he's. He uh, Colin Farrell has put on some of the coolest wand work we've seen in any Harry Potter Wizarding World movie. He's kind of suave with the wand. He's, he's very just suave. Kind of, yeah, just, I think it's. Too, and I it's, hope that's the Graves part of the yeah, character, not yeah. the Grindelwald mm-hmm. part. I agree. I agree. We can't have another, um, can't have another suave Johnny Depp character. It just doesn't work. And only if Graves or if if Johnny Depp was Graves and and Colin Farrell was Grindelwald, that would yeah. have been better in my opinion. Yeah. I don't want to see Jack Sparrow as Grindelwald. Yeah, maybe they'll recast him. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, oh, Graves has cool sleeves. I guess that also helps, showing him showcase but, magic, right? The sleeves yeah. of his robes are kind of open at the end and very cool to watch. Sure. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on Graves, then? I have a question um, about Grindelwald. That when, Michael, when you mentioned the um, prison that he created, this just brought this thought to mind. Do you think that Voldemort considered him to be a threat, like considered Grindelwald to be a threat? Or would you think he would have considered him to be like an ally, um, someone who kind of had that same vision in mind? Hmm. I, I'd like to believe since Voldemort leaves Grindelwald alive that whole time, the only time he goes to find Grindelwald or actively, I think, seeks him out is when he's on the quest for the Deathly Hallows, when he's Mm -hmm. on the quest for the Elder Wand and circumstances bring Voldemort on the trail of Grindelwald. You know, whatever passes between them or however Voldemort felt about Grindelwald, he was essentially hands-off. It was a live-and-let-live sort of situation where... Grindelwald's languishing in prison. He's not an active threat to Voldemort. I think Voldemort actively was just content to let Grindelwald live in prison um, until such time as he needed information from Grindelwald where he goes, he gets the information, and then kills him. I think that, you know, before then, Voldemort was perfectly content to let him live, and I think that that may indicate that to Voldemort, Grindelwald was either an ally or an idol. Yeah, or definitely an idol. Mm-hmm. And maybe he did. Maybe he was stripped of his power. If I don't know, like Voldemort wouldn't. That's really interesting. Have any reason to use him? Um, so I don't know. I, just I like that theory. That. I love yeah. that theory that he's stripped of his power. <laughs> yeah, and he just does not have any way of getting out because he doesn't have magic anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that would be crazy. It, it would. It would make sense because. What for? What other purpose? Um, you, know, you would think that he would have the ability to escape otherwise, and unless mm-hmm. you know, it, it becomes ironic that he's imprisoned in his own prison, and and that somebody said before, wouldn't he know the intricacies to be able to escape? Uh, unless it's so overly powerful that he can't overcome his own magic. But I like the idea of the fact that he has been stripped. In, in some capacity of, of his magical ability and, and can no longer fight his way out the way that he would in, in under normal circumstances. So, uh, but to, to answer your question though, too, I, if, if he was a priority for Voldemort, why not go after him during his first rise to power? Uh, he, right. he only comes into play as was mentioned uh, as Voldemort is in search of the, the elder wand and, mm. But I, but I also think that Voldemort focuses very much on himself and and doesn't really have a need for uh, Grindelwald. He's I, I don't know if it's like opportunistic, but he's situational, right? If he needs Grindelwald for something, he's going to go 
to Grindelwald and he's going to get what he needs yeah. and he's going to move yeah. on. I don't think he's looking mm-hmm. to make friends, but it's very possible that he learned from his mistakes. Uh, you know, he saw uh, an, a very failed attempt at, at, at rising to power and, and put in place other practices in order to protect himself um, as, as he himself rose to power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you're exactly. I'm looking this up for a history lesson, but Nurmengard was in fact constructed under the orders of Grindelwald. So you're you're absolutely right. Like Grindelwald originally built the prison. This is according to the Harry Potter Wikia, which is not a reliable source. I just have to keep saying that. You say that every time. It's they not. It's stuff. There, there are, I can read this entire paragraph, and there's not one. And there's not one annotation. So I don't know where it came from. But according to this, the prison was built on the orders of Dark Wizard Gellert Grindelwald at the height of his power in order to hold Grindelwald's opponents. Um, and his slogan, for the greater good, is carved over the prison's entrance. So Nurmengard is totally Grindelwald's prison. Sort of ironic that he ends up there uh, and mm-hmm. can't get out. And Graves could be yeah, there. Yeah, I feel like there's a movie like this where I'm tr- I've been trying to, the past few minutes, I've been trying to think of the comparison. There's like a movie or a book or something where somebody... Oh, it was in Rogue One. What? They, they they purposely built the Death Star to have like a flaw, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's Grindelwald. He probably built it. There's a flaw somewhere that he can take <laughs> advantage of to, to get out of it. Oh, exactly. And, and and not only that, but there's so many instances in, in, the, in real history of people building castles and or, or houses that have secret passageways and all sorts of, you know, means of getting around. Um, and you know, only the people who are actually physically building the house, uh, and the person who's orchestrating the building actually know how many passageways there are in and out. And Grindelwald, if, if Grindelwald was involved in overseeing the construction of this prison, he absolutely would know all of the ways in which you would escape from said prison. So the fact that he doesn't either speaks to his not having magic anymore or him being maybe a reformed character who regrets his actions and he just decides to languish there for 50-odd more years. Maybe he's like Voldemort, very full of himself and doesn't think that he needs a way out because he never assumes that he will make it into that space himself. Yeah, Mm, yeah, yeah. The flaw in the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wraps up our discussion on Graves this week. Hooray. Hooray. I still need a Graves Funko. I've been wanting to buy a Graves Ooh. Funko. That's the last one that I want as like a tribute to Colin Farrell and that great character. Yeah. Who we might not be seeing again. Um, I don't know why I just mentioned that. But if you have any feedback about today's discussion, feel free to email it at, to mugglecast at gmail.com. We also have our voicemail line where you can send in your feedback. The number is one nine three zero. <laughs> no, I'm pulling it up on the website. Nine two nine two zero three Muggle. That's right. Thank you for uh, in advance for submitting your feedback. <laughs> and I think that does it for this week's episode of MuggleCast. We are going to be recording a couple of bonus MuggleCast installments that will be available exclusively on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/MuggleCast. You can get those. If you pledge $5 or more per month, uh, we're going to be listening to that clip and analyzing it closely. Is that Johnny Depp in that one scene where where Graves is talking uh, between Graves and Credence? And also, we're going to do Make the Music Connection Summer Hits Edition. Ooh. This is Memorial Day weekend we're recording on, and uh, we'll kick off summer by uh, playing some summer hits, some recent summer hits. And comparing them the, to the Harry Potter books, we need to do Harry Potter specifically. Since I, I, I rely on make the music connections that you do, Andrew, to like get me current on music because I don't know well, any music. I have some bad news because the four songs I selected, uh, three are from last summer. Oh. We don't have our song in the summer yet. The summer's just getting started. That's so. true. That's true. I have three from last summer and then one from the summer before that. Demi Lovato is <laughs> cool for the summer, which is oh, still cool. my favorite summer song ever. Okay. Yeah. Clara, thank you for joining us. Thanks what are you up for to having Paris me. the rest of the day after this? Well, I'm trying to decide if I should go to Disneyland Paris. So. Uh, uh. 
It'll only be there like. for a couple of hours, but it might be worth oh. it. Have Crap. you seen uh, Musée d'Orsay? I haven't, but that's one um, I I would love to go there too. So kind you, of you in have between. Have to go to Musée d'Orsay. I know it's. I love impressionist art, so I would. I probably should do that. It's closer. It's easier to get to. Do it. Probably cheaper as well. <laughs> probably a lot cheaper. <laughs> Thank that's you, a good everybody, idea. for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. What character are we talking about next week? Do we know already? We have a few options. Oh, okay. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure Let's it do out a Twitter while poll. we're barbecuing this weekend. <laughs> Where the popular vote doesn't win. We pick yeah. the other two options. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Clara. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Au revoir.